Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. Why, 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 why Cheap Astronomy? Yeah, why? And this is Dear Cheap Astronomy, Episode 61, Who Listens to the Radio? And yes, that's what we'd like to know. In this episode, we'll be investigating whether humans are surreptitiously intercepting deep space radio transmissions, and then whether deep space aliens are surreptitiously intercepting human transmissions. It's all, well, surreptitious. Dear Cheap Astronomy, Can anyone intercept the information and images transmitted from spacecraft back to Earth? Continuing a recent Dear Cheap Astronomy theme of cyber hacking in space, we're now going to investigate straightforward cyber theft. Again, we have no expertise in this area whatsoever, and no one in the space business goes out of their way to publish their security protocols. So here we're just reproducing information that's already out there, and hopefully we're reproducing it accurately. So, firstly... Pretty much anyone can intercept a radio transmission. It's possible to beam a radio transmission from a dish, so the radio waves or the photons travel in straight lines, a bit like how car headlights will beam optical light straight ahead of your car. But over any appreciable distance, that beam is going to spread and diffuse And such spreading and diffusing is inevitable over spacecraft communication distances. So, as a general rule, if you have line of sight of a spacecraft, you can receive its radio transmissions. But of course, how long you can receive them for is another matter. A low-orbiting spacecraft like the ISS might only be in view for a minute or so. Higher-altitude satellites will stay in view longer and a geostationary satellite will always be in view. But thinking beyond Earth orbit, the rotation of the Earth becomes the main issue in maintaining line of sight with spacecraft that have left orbit. Furthermore, to intercept the increasingly faint radio transmissions from spacecraft in deep space, you start needing some kind of radio telescope to get the resolution needed to separate signal from noise And since it's a telescope, you will need to know exactly where to point it to get a strong signal. And then, beyond those first-order practicalities, it's one thing to receive a radio signal, and quite another to be able to make sense of it. Spacecraft generate a lot of data from purpose-built instruments with specific calibration settings, and such data would be largely meaningless to a cyber thief without the technical specifications of the data collection instrument. But generic data, like images, probably could be interpreted by anyone, and the only way to protect that data would be encryption. But agencies like NASA will generally release any images publicly within a day or so. So it's not worth their while taking the time, effort and risk of data loss that would be involved in encrypting the data at the source. So as far as our crack and cheap research team can tell, no one really bothers to encrypt data that's transmitted from deep space missions. 
The only publicised incident of data theft from deep space exploration was when the UK's Jodrell Bank radio telescope intercepted a data transmission from the Soviet Union's Lunar 9 lander, which had just snapped the first ever close-up images of the Moon's surface back in February 1966. So England's media gazumped the Soviet Union's media in publishing those first close-up images of the lunar surface But it's hard to say whose victory it really was, since the Soviet Union had its technological triumph broadcast overnight across the English-speaking world without having to lift a finger or hire an interpreter. It's really in Earth orbit that cybersecurity starts to matter. All the warm, fuzzy stuff about doing things for all of humankind tends to go out the window when you're this close to home. As we discussed in a previous episode, there is a certain risk that someone could take over a satellite and fly it into someone else's satellite. Although it isn't a huge risk, since to take over a satellite effectively, you would need fairly detailed knowledge of how to fly the thing and enough fuel to fly it with. Of greater concern may be the risk of someone intercepting data downloads from someone else's satellite. And if someone can do that, they probably won't make a public announcement about it. Instead, they're likely to continue surreptitiously monitoring those downloads, siphoning off any useful intellectual property, or some key military intelligence. Which, in an active conflict, might mean seeing what an enemy is looking at, or what they haven't seen yet. So, in the 21st century, it does pay to be alert and may be a little alarmed. This is the middle bit. So yes, people are mischievous, if not downright malicious, so it pays to be careful. Stephen Hawking used to say that we should also be careful about what we broadcast into deep space, since mischievous or malicious aliens might be out there just waiting to strike, although they would be in for a mighty long haul before they could start an invasion. Dear Cheap Astronomy, what do you think of the Drake Equation? Well, we like it, and we think it's terrific that an eminent astronomer's back-of-an-envelope scribblings have so captured the public imagination. Indeed, Drake's equation has been so meticulously documented and explained that we'll just do a cheap version here that also deals with the Fermi Paradox and makes a passing reference to Carl Sagan. So, for anyone who needs the backstory, the Drake Equation attempts to calculate the number of intelligent species we should be able to communicate with by adding together a mix of what are mostly probabilities about stars and planets and evolution. The Fermi Paradox then states that here we are in this huge universe with lots of stars and potentially life-bearing planets, so where the heck is everyone? Anyhow, the first terms of the Drake equation seek quantification of how many stars there are and how many of those stars could have planets with habitability potential. Later terms of the equation then seek estimates of the likelihood of intelligent life developing on those planets, and then tries to quantify the chances of those intelligence developing interstellar-scale communications, and finally, 
tries to quantify what is the period of time over which such intelligent civilizations might sustain that technology. Drake Equation commentators often wax lyrical over that last point, interpreting it as meaning there's only a brief window period between an intelligence developing and it then destroying itself. The equation doesn't actually say that, it just proposes there's a certain time window over which broadcasting is likely before it stops. So rather than destroying itself, a civilization might instead become smart enough not to rely on energy-inefficient broadcasting anymore, and that civilization might also decide that there's no point bothering to communicate with any primitives who have just recently stumbled across the whole broadcasting idea. In reality, it's unlikely an advanced civilization would just ignore a recently emerged broadcaster like Earth. But since the universal speed limit of light eliminates any likelihood of invasion, an advanced civilization might just contact us to say, OK, we're not going to kill you, but if you want to swap ideas with us, well, what have you got? It's likely a flurry of international conferences, symposia and working groups would follow as the human race suddenly realised it had to justify its existence. And sending a bunch of poetry and religious texts probably won't cut it. We'll have to acknowledge that about 90% of what we've done to date has involved digging stuff out of the ground and burning it to create electricity, and we've wiped out much of the planet's ecosystems in doing so. And okay, we went to the moon, although once we'd done it, we kind of lost interest, and although we've since landed some robots on Mars, you'd have to say that interest is now waning there too. As for the other parts of the Drake equation, they are all valid. It's just important to remember that to make an apple pie, you not only need a universe, but you need a universe that's old enough to have shifted from a periodic table of hydrogen, helium and lithium to a much richer elemental mix that can support a wondrously aromatic mix of carbohydrates, triglycerides and polysaccharides. It's also important to remember that our solar system has only appeared in the last third of the universe's lifetime. And it's taken well over 99% of our solar system's lifetime for our broadcasting species to appear. So in calculating the probabilities of receiving communications from other intelligences, we must also account for the relativistic truth that distance is time. In other words the probability of detecting other intelligent communicators drops quickly over galactic distances. So our best chance of fulfilling Drake's equation probably lies within our own galaxy, where you can scan for life that's emerged within the last 100,000 years or so. So not only is the search just beginning, but as the Drake equation implies, we should probably expect there'll be slim pickings out there. But the chances of finding someone are certainly not zero. They're just slim. And those chances will probably grow as the universe gets older. And when we do find someone out there, we should celebrate with some freshly baked apple pie. This is the end bit. So, there you go. 
If there are malicious aliens out there with the technological capacity to cross light years, well, they'll probably find us anyway. So what the heck? More likely, if no one can realistically cross light years in a single bound, there'll be more value in just exchanging information, possibly by radio, or at least by some kind of electromagnetic radiation. But that's it for another episode of Dear Cheap Astronomy. If you've got a space science question, or you just want to strut up and down making beep-beep noises, why not write to cheapastro at gmail.com and we'll do the strutting for you. Thanks for listening. Steve Nerlick, Cheap Astronomy.